when it comes to being a pastor, uh, which I am one, uh, I like to be treated special sometimes. Don't judge. Uh, I, I like some special treatment when I'm a pastor. Sometimes I will drop the Pastor Sean card, try and get a little better treatment sometimes. Uh, I got pulled over by a police officer once uh, for going a little bit too fast. This is many, many years ago when I was not as cautious as I am now. But I got pulled over by a, a police officer, and uh, he says to me, uh, you know how fast, uh, Mr. Cornett, do you know how fast you're going? I said, that's Pastor Cornett, hoping that he's like, you know, a Christian is going to let me out of this ticket that he gave me anyway. He's like, I don't care. Uh, you're, you were going too fast. So, um, so anyway, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I will drop that pastor card every once in a while. I like to be treated special. I like people to know I'm a pastor. You know, I, I, I'll admit it. You know, there's no shame in this game. Actually, there's a lot of it. Uh, but I, uh, I, when I go to the hospital or I go to the funeral home, you know, sometimes I'll have like an extra spot just for clergy. And here, this is what some of the signs look like. And so don't park. All right. Per parking reserved for clergy. Huh? Yeah, that's right. I am clergy. I hate that word. Uh, but I like this middle one. Parking reserved for clergy, unauthorized vehicles towed away. That's right. That's right. Park in my spot. I'm calling the, uh, the authorities, the parking authorities. Oh, I like this one. Clergy parking only. All others will be forgiven. <laughs> no. No, you won't. Sorry. Stay out of my spot. Uh, the thing I like, uh, like some funeral homes and some hospitals will have them, like St. Catherine's Hospital in East Chicago, they have three spots for clergy. How considerate. Chapel Lawn Funeral Home, two spots. St. Anthony's down in Crown Point, two spots. Munster Community, zero spots. No spots. Biggest hospital in Northwest Indiana and no spots for preachers. What's up with that? Come on, community. Get on with it. Let's go. Come on. Up with that. Pastor Sean wants his spot. I got to get in. I got to get out. I don't want it like nice and up front near the door. You know, I want to come on. Free valet. They, they do have free valet, but not for Pastor Sean. Because I don't have time to wait for the valet person to go find my car. And my car is a mess. I mean, just an absolute disaster. It is terrifying. Uh, there may be a small family of squirrels living in my back seat. I'm not sure. I hear noises every once in a while. I can't tell if it's my son or the squirrels. So uh, I don't let people in my car. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I like to be treated a little special. Yeah, and I think we all do, right? I mean, everybody likes to be treated a little bit special every now and then. Everyone wants a, an boy or an girl, you know? Even the most shy of people are like, yeah, you know, it's nice to have a little attention. It's nice to have a little bit of attention paid to you, a little bit of special treatment, you know, for who we are. Uh, birthdays, anniversaries, I just want to be treated a little special. I just want to be treated a little bit nicer, uh, a little bit of a privilege maybe, a little bit of a, a, it's my right. I mean, it's my birthday month. Have you noticed this trend? It is no longer it's my birthday it's, or it's my birthday week. Birthday week? Man, when I was a kid, I was lucky to get a card. And now, no, my parents are very nice and very generous. And they still give me nice things for my birthday because it's a national holiday. <laughs> should be. <laughs> but when it comes to being treated special... I think we all want that. We all want to be treated a little bit nicer, a little bit special. We want to, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes, have you ever said this? Do, don't you know who I am? Or maybe you haven't said it, but maybe you've thought it. Don't you know who I am? Whether it's at work, 
You know, it's like, don't you know who I am? I am the boss, or I am the manager, or I am the foreman. Don't you know who I am? I've worked here for 20 years. Don't you know who I am, you little snot-nosed brat? How many of you ever thought that? Uh, yeah. Don't you know who I am? Or maybe you thought it at home. Don't you know who I am? I am your father. I am your mother. Don't roll your eyes at me. Roll them right out your head. Don't you know who I am? Or maybe we'll say it at church. Don't you know who I am? Get out of my seat. Don't you know who I am? I've sat in that chair. Well, we've only had chairs for two years. But before that, when the pew was there, I sat there for 40 years. Don't you know who I am? And we demand our rights. We demand privileges. We demand special treatment. We demand to be treated better than others. I mean, look, why does they get that? Or why does they get that? Why, why, why are they treated more special than I am? What, don't they know who I am? And, and see, that, that's pride. That's all that is, is pride. And so I don't care if you're Pastor Sean or your children's minister Joel or worship arts director Jeff or elder Bob, Albert, or Ron or deacon Jeff, James, or uh, who's our other deacon? Donnie. <laughs> I love Donnie. This is not in my notes. This is coming off the top of my head. I don't care if you're the secretary. I don't care if you are a 40-year member or 50-year member, 60-year member, 70-year member. I don't care if you grew up in this church. I don't care if you've been around here for two weeks. When it comes to the foot of the cross, we're all on equal footing. We're all the same in God's eyes. And so when it comes to demanding rights, special treatment, or privileges, that's just pride. And to me, pride is about the deadliest of the deadly sins. Do you know why? Now, in God's eyes, all sins are the same. Where you know, it, it, All sin needs to be forgiven, and Jesus forgives it all. But in, pride is the most dangerous. Because pride is what keeps people out of heaven. Pride is what make pe makes people go, you know what? I don't need a Savior. I don't need forgiveness. I, I don't need to be washed clean. I don't need Jesus. Because I'm okay in myself. I'm okay on my own. I don't need a savior. That's pride. And pride stinks in the nostrils of God. Pride is a stench in God's nostrils. And I'm convinced that God hates sin. And that pride is included. God hates pride. We have been studying parables on Sunday mornings. We have been looking at parables from the book of Luke. Uh, Luke was a gospel writer, and he wrote the story of Jesus. He was commissioned by a man named Theophilus to write about the story of Jesus. And Luke told a lot of stories uh, about Jesus, and he included in his gospel a lot of stories that Jesus told. Jesus told lots of stories, and we call them parables. And a parable is just simply a, a, a story using everyday objects that 
reveal a deep truth, a, a deep meaning about heaven, about God, about God's kingdom, about Jesus, about salvation. All these topics, Jesus used real simple language and real simple everyday objects to communicate these big truths. And today's big truth that he is going to talk about is humility and pride. Now we're in Luke chapter 18. We're in verses 9 through 14. If you brought a Bible, great. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 742 of the Bible in the chair in front of you, page 742. Uh, or you can use your favorite app, your Bible app on your smartphone or tablet, uh, a Bible app like Uversion or Bible Gateway. Uh, they're both available at the iTunes store and the Google Play store and probably the Amazon store too, I imagine. So what we're going to do is we're going to set the stage in, in chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Now, in chapter 18, Jesus is talking about prayer. And he begins by telling his disciples that they should be persistent in prayer, that they should not give up on prayer. And let's face it, sometimes it's easy to give up on prayer. When prayers don't get answered the way that we want them to, when prayers don't get answered in the timing that we want them to be answered in, it's easy to give up on prayer. It's easy to say, you know what? God's not answered my prayers yet. I'm just going to give up. Or the answer's not yet. You know, God's answering your prayer, but it's not going fast enough for you. And it's easy to give up on prayer and just say, you know what? Forget this prayer baloney. I, I don't need it. It's, not, it's nonsense. I, I'm just not going to pray anymore. And maybe you're at that point in your life. Maybe you're at the point where you're just like, you know what? I'm giving up on prayer. I'm not going to pray anymore. Jesus' words for you today is keep praying. Keep on praying. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on God. And that's what Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8 about is about. is about being persistent and consistent in prayer. And then he turns his attention to a different audience. And he turns his attention to the audience of the Pharisees. Now we've talked about the Pharisees a lot this summer. The Pharisees were a group of uh, religious experts in Israel at the time. Uh, they were a sect of uh, Judaism. Uh, they were very, very considered to be very holy people. Uh, they were considered to be very holy men. Uh, they were almost uh, on the same level as the priests who served God in the temple. But uh, the thing about the Pharisees is, is that they were self-righteous. Now, how many of you know, don't answer that. How many of you know some, some self-righteous Pharisees? We all do. And if you don't know any, you might want to look in the mirror. Just, just, just a, a hint. Uh, so uh, look at Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And uh, it says, Luke writes, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. That was the Pharisees. He tells this story about and to the Pharisees. That they were confident of their own righteousness, that they were okay with God, we have an understanding. Me and God, we have an understanding. Uh, we're okay with God because we follow the rules. And that's what this whole thing, that's what the Pharisees were big on. They were big on the rules. And not just like the Ten Commandments, but they took the rules of God, the commandments of God, and they broke them down and they uh, interpreted them uh, and had over 600 rules that you had to follow. Could you imagine trying to remember over 600 rules? That's a lot of rules. And so that's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees said, you need to follow the rules. And if you followed the rules, then you were okay with God. Now, it, not again, not just the Ten Commandments, but the 600 rules that they came up with 
You had to follow all of those. Now, the problem with the Pharisees is that they looked good on the outside. But on the inside, they were rotten to the core. They didn't love God, and they didn't love people. They loved to be seen by people, and they loved to be seen by God. They liked it when God looked at them. They thought they were earning God's favor by following the rules. And so what happens is, is that you get a story like today's. And this story is a, a fictional story, but it very well could have happened. Look at verse 10, verses 10 through 12. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, we've also talked about tax collectors a lot on Sunday mornings. Tax collectors were the most despised people in, in Israel because they worked for the Romans and they collected taxes for the Romans. Now, the problem is, is that they would pay the Romans up front, that, that they would pay the, what the Romans assessed and they would pay the Romans up front and then they would go collect the taxes from their fellow Jews, their fellow Israelites. And, and they would charge exorbitant percentages for taxes and they would extort money out of their fellow uh, Jews and so they were hated because they were cheating their own people so you have a, a Pharisee who's on one end of the spiritual teeter-totter and you have a tax collector who's on the other end they both go up to the temple to pray telling us that they probably live somewhere near Jerusalem and they go to the temple to pray verse 11 the Pharisee stood up and by that it means he stood up in front of everybody. He stands up in front of everybody. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Oh my. I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Or even like this tax collector. I can't imagine the, the tax collect, what's going through the tax collector's mind. Dude, I'm right here. I am right here. I thank you. And so this tax collector, this Pharisee gets up and he prays to God in, in all arrogance and pride. I thank you, God, not for who you are. I thank you, God, not for what you've done. I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. I thank you, God, that I am not like robbers and evildoers and adulterers, and especially like that tax collector, that one right there. I like what one commentator said. It's like he, when he was praying, it's almost as if God should have applied to be his personal assistant. He says to God, I thank you that I, he's, he's just talking about himself. He doesn't honor God in his prayer. Uh, he doesn't say anything about God. He doesn't thank God for anything. And he doesn't ask for, for anything. He doesn't even ask for forgiveness. He just says, I thank you for me. I thank you for me. And then he brags about himself. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now, the only day that was required for fasting by the Jews was the Day of Atonement. And that was the required fast for the nation of Israel to fast on the Day of Atonement. Otherwise, any other fasting you did was for purely religious reasons. Uh, and it was a, a sign of, uh, of dedication and devotion to God. And yet, this Pharisee brags about his fasting. I fast not once a year, not even once a week. I fast twice a week. That's 103 extra fasts. Look at me. Look at me. I'm wonderful. I tithe a tenth of all I get. And that doesn't mean just my income. It means my herb garden too. 
that when I'm growing my, my spices and my herbs, I tie the 10%. I tie 10% of my herbs. So I have my thyme here. My, I have my, my parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. And uh, I, have, I just put it on the scale, and it weighs 0.12 ounces. So I'm going to put 0.012 ounces for God. It's ridiculous, right? It sounds ridiculous, but that's exactly what he's saying. Everything I have, I give 10% of. And he's bragging and boasting about himself. And it's prideful and arrogant. And it stinks to God. On the other end of the teeter-totter is the tax collector. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Seven words is all he says. A seven-word prayer that I think we would all do well to remember and to memorize. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He recognizes, first of all, that God is the source of mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You see, because of our sinfulness, because we have all sinned against God, because of our sinfulness, we deserve death. And I'm not just talking about physical death. I'm talking about spiritual, eternal separation from God in hell kind of death. That's the death that we deserve, is we deserve hell. But God doesn't want us to go to hell. I don't know what you've heard from other churches or what, from other pastors or things like that, but I'm here to tell you right now, God does not want anyone to go to hell. That's why he sent Jesus. He sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That if you believe in Jesus... If you will repent from your sins and turn to God for forgiveness, if you will confess your faith and get baptized, God will wash away your sins in that moment. He put Jesus, Jesus went through hell on the cross so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell separated from God. Jesus came to earth to give his life for us. And like I said, if you believe and repent and confess and get baptized, like it says in, Roman, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, where it says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that God will wash away your sins. And it's not about the water. It's not about your obedience. It's about God's grace and this free gift that he offers through Jesus Christ. It's what it's all about. And then we come to verse 14. And this is how Jesus sums the whole thing up. He says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector is so humble before God, and the Pharisee is so prideful before God. And the twist of the story is that the Pharisee, who everyone thought was so religious, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. He said, they look pretty on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of death and decay. I went to Haiti 20 years ago. And while I was in Haiti, I noticed that they had these elaborate, ornate tombs. People are living in tin shacks with tin roofs on dirt floors with just a curtain separating one room from another. And they got eight people living in this tiny shack of a house. And yet they had these very expensive, very ornate, almost beautiful tombs where they buried the dead and while they were beautiful on the outside in the inside they're full of bones and death and dying and decay 
And that's what Jesus said the Pharisees were like. Oh, they look good on the outside. But on the inside, they were full of death and decay. They were not spiritually pleasing to God at all because they can't fool God. Couldn't fool God. And because of the Pharisees' pride, he walked away in the same status that he was when he walked in. But the tax collector, because of his humility, was justified before God. He was forgiven. And his righteousness was, uh, righteousness was given to him. He was declared right with God because of his humility. Notice the, fair, the tax collector doesn't make any promises. Lord, uh, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm going to go ahead and change my ways. God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Uh, I'm going to go and repay everybody. I'm, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to stop cheating people. I'm gonna, he doesn't make any promises. He just says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's his humility that gets the attention of God. And so my question for you today is, are you a modern-day Pharisee? Are you full of pride or are you humble before God? In Proverbs 16, 18, it says this, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before what? Destruction. That if you are full of yourself, and if you think that you deserve better, or that you have certain rights and privileges, if you think that because of your status or who you are, and don't you know who I am, if you think you're better than everybody else, you're sorely mistaken. Even Jesus humbled himself. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6-8, Paul said this, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, he was completely humiliated. He humbled himself to the point of even dying on a cross. And therefore, as it says in verses 9 through 11, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That Jesus humbled himself and then God exalted him. And those who exalt themselves, those who exalt themselves are the opposite of what Jesus is. Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him. And when we exalt ourselves, God will humble us. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And like I said, we're all on the same plane. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. Grab an oar. In Romans 3.23, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And my question for you is, how are you treating other sinners? How are you dealing with other sinners? How are you, are you a modern-day Pharisee? Are you, uh, are you full of pride and arrogance? Are you a modern-day Pharisee who thinks that you deserve better or that you deserve special treatment or that you should be, don't you know who I am? Are you a modern-day Pharisee? Looking down on others, that's what Jesus said. To those who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. 
And the church is full of people who look down on everybody else. The church is full of people who are pride, uh, prideful. The church is full of people who think that they deserve better and that they have an understanding with God and that God owes them something and that they deserve something from God. And the answer to that question is, no, you don't. I don't deserve anything from God. He doesn't owe me a thing. And he doesn't owe you anything either. And so when it comes to how we deal with one another in the church, when it comes to how we deal with one another, and, and whether we're prideful or humble, let's choose humility. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Are you quick to judge others? Are you quick to condemn other people? Are you quick to, in your pride, look down on other people? And say, you got to get your stuff straightened out. you got to get your act together. you got to get your life together. And all the while you're dealing with the same stuff, refusing to acknowledge your own sinfulness, refusing to acknowledge your own uh, downfalls, your own shortcomings. Remember, we're all sinners. Every single one of us. None of us are better than another. So my question for you is this. Are you a modern-day Pharisee? Are you demanding rights? Are you demanding privileges? Because I've been a member here for 10 years. And somebody else looks at them and goes, well, I've been a member here for 25 years. I deserve to be treated better than she is. Or somebody else will look at them and go, I've been a member here for 50 years. I deserve to be treated better than he is. After all, don't you know who I am? Hmm. I know who you are. You're a Pharisee. So, in closing, in my challenge to you today is to choose humility. When it comes to approaching God in prayer, choose humility. When it comes to dealing with one another in the church, choose humility. I, I want to sum it up like this. Pride makes sinners out of saints. Humility makes sinners into saints. Does that make sense? You see, pride says, look at me. Don't you know who I am? I got it all together. I'm good. I'm golden. Don't you know who I am? And those who think that they're saints come to realize, will come to realize sooner rather than later that they are in fact sinners. And humility takes a sinner who says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And when you come before God in humility and you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, he makes you into a saint. And that happens by grace. So let us treat each other with humility. Let us deal with each other humbly. Let's do away with pride and arrogance and pharisaical attitudes. And let's be humble as God would have us be.